Hey guys, welcome to Lunch with Lindsay. I'm so excited you're here, and this time it's a little bit different because I'm coming to you from the road uh, from one of my favorite places, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, site of one of my favorite races, the Indy 500. So if you know a lot about racing, that's awesome because this episode is gonna be for you. But if you don't, if you've never paid attention to it, that's all good too because I promise, I promise, there are so many awesome lessons and things that are really relatable to hear from this conversation I'm about to tell you about. So, we just experienced the running of the Indy 500. It is easily the biggest race on the schedule for IndyCar. And the winner of this year's race is Joseph Newgarten. He drives for Penske. He won on his 12th attempt. Joseph is such an awesome guy. He does so many, so many cool things, but he's just a really cool, inspiring fellow to be around, really. But everybody knows how big a deal this race is. So I was watching after he won that race, him and his wife, Ashley, and their little baby, Coda, and I was glued to watching what they were doing. I had to have a conversation with them. So the day after the race, I found myself with an opportunity to sit down with Joseph and Ashley. She's also, by the way, a Disney princess. So I can't wait for you guys to hear this conversation about how one race changed his life, what they've experienced, themes of sacrifice, love, commitment, perseverance, and ultimately, really, belief. So sit back, enjoy this conversation. Joseph Newgarten and Ashley, I mean, thank you guys so much for being here. I know that this has been such a whirlwind for you, and I, I wanted to start just by asking if you guys could put into perspective what the Indy 500 really is, even for people who don't pay attention to racing, because honestly, a lot of people will watch this, I think, and, and know a lot about it. Some people don't, right? Yeah. So how do you how do you sum up what this race in itself means to you? Well, I, I love the history of the event. You know, for me, if you think about significant sporting events, there's not many that are over 100 years old. This was the 107th running in the Indy 500. It's even older than that. You know, there were some yeah. years off for, for the wars. Um, but I just, I love the significance of this singular event. This is, this is the fabric and DNA of IndyCar racing. It is like the Kentucky Derby, if you will. It is our mm -hmm. Super Bowl. And it's so difficult to win. You think about there's ne nearly half a million people here in one day that are concentrated together to watch this motor race. And to try and win that with all the pressure, you know, you just can't describe to people what that's like. And, and to be the driver in it, to hopefully win, it, it's magical. You're shaking your head. Yeah, what is that? Well, absolutely. It's just I had no clue about the Indianapolis 500 or racing before we started dating. And then came the first time, and I just looked around like, oh, I get it. You know, I get the pressure. It's, it's palpable. The energy on the grid, it's so, such a big race, and you just you feel it. I can't imagine being a driver and feeling all or the team to perform under all that pressure of the day of. My Pretty first intense. time, that's, that's what I, I felt, I, like, I felt it. It's like you mm -hmm. feel it in your core, it's, it's all the things, it's the rumbling of the flyover and then, yeah. but when you guys fire up the cars, that was something I had never experienced mm -hmm. in covering motorsports even, was just like, whoa, this is right, it's like, this is different. Uh, you talked about being a kid and watching the race here. What, what was that like? I mean, for me, I, I said yesterday, and I really mean this, there's not, a, there's not a bad seat in this house, you know, whether you're sitting in turn one or turn four, or you're a friend or you're working on a car, or you're driving the car, they all matter. And so to, to have it from the perspective of just being a fan when I was younger and, and dreaming about maybe doing this one day, and it seems so sort of, you know, fantasy-like that you would, they would never, really? ever, ever have an opportunity to do that one day. You know, I just, I couldn't imagine it. It's, it, it was always crazy to me to watch this race on TV or watch it in person. And, 
believe that drivers were able to do what they were doing with these cars around this track. And so to come full circle on it and to be in it now and, and have a chance to win and actually win it, yeah. it, it's, I can't describe it to people. It's, it's just very magical. Yeah, Ashley, what's your take on that? Because I just think of it more like Romans when they were in like these huge arenas and they're performing. I, I could just imagine it being like the most elite athletes and you think of them as gods and you look at them like, how, like they're born like that. You know, you don't become that. So I could imagine as a little boy, you just think like, oh, they're a driver. Like, I, I don't know if I can become that because they're just yeah. untouchable. And then for him to achieve that and become one of them, I, I couldn't imagine it. So surreal that's a good probably. way to put it that's that's a little how it you're like feels. wow yeah. i can become it and I, I did i did it uh, so that's that's one of the things that i think a lot about why does sports make me cry mm -hmm. right like there are certain events you mentioned it the derbies the super bowls like it's the storylines right but i've been thinking a lot about the fact that i think it's because in certain instances in sports it's like we like layman watching are given an opportunity to see someone's story and dream play out mm. and come true and there's really examples of that but I think maybe that's why it's so powerful like I'm getting chills thinking about it because that was you right and yeah so it's I want to talk about the final lap because first of all Ashley you when that final lap was happening what was happening for you what was going through your mind it's weird yesterday I think he said this in a couple of other interviews as well but I think we were both like weirdly calm and I just kept on thinking if it's going to happen, then it's going to happen. And every time I would get kind of nervous on a red flag or whatever it was, I would just think, it's already, it's already written in history. So I would just, we're just like letting it play out. And the last lot, though, I, I lost my cool. And I, you know, I'm just, okay, at that point, I'm, I was hoping that he would, would win, of course, but I was also hoping he would not wreck. Yeah. So, because I, I knew him and I knew that he was going to wreck or he was going to win. So. Which one? <laughs> She's right. On that, on this day, you know, I, I, I came in with the attitude that I, this was my 12th time running it. I didn't want to finish second, third, fourth. It didn't matter the position. You know, it's a little bit cheesy, but really the only thing that does matter at Indianapolis is winning the race. If you don't win the race, you're leaving with a broken heart. And I've left here too many times with a broken heart, and I didn't want to do that again. So I wanted to do everything possible to try and win. I would risk the car at all costs to try and win the race. And um, so she's right. I was, I was, I had the mentality. I'm either winning the race or I'm not coming back. And then what? And then we won the race, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> so, you know, it, for me, it's it's hard when you're sitting in the car and we went through the red flag scenarios where it came down to a, a last lap shootout. It's hard to not get emotional, you know, the, the, having been here for 11 years prior, and not having ever won it, you know you when you realize you're in a position to potentially win it, and it's at that very last critical moment, it's hard to not get emotional. You see the crowd, you see the energy. I mean, there's so many people here that are just cheering and willing you on that you have to recenter yourself and kind of focus on the job. Because if you get too carried away in it, you're probably just gonna make a mistake and not actually do what you need to do to win the race. And that's what happened to me. So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm going to focus on what I need to do right now to execute and hopefully win this thing. And so then what happened? And then when we, so we, basically when we went back out from the last red flag, we knew when we were leaving pit lane that we were going to come to the start finish line and it was one lap. And from that moment on, we knew whatever happened, that's going to decide the race. And we were in a great spot, you know, being in P2 was actually probably the perfect position for a one lap shootout. And I didn't know where you know, I was going to be able to pass Marcus in front of me. I, I didn't have the best run into turn one, and I actually thought that was, was good. You know, I, I, 
when, when I saw he, him get away from me a little bit heading into the first corner, I thought, all right, I'm just going to work on getting him in off of turn two. I'll get him down the back straight, and hopefully that's enough. And that's what happened. I just I went as aggressive as I could, got by him on the back straight, and then just held him off to the line. And you, what was the first thing that went through your mind, Ashley? Just relief. Honestly, I, I think I got so emotional because I keep on saying this, but it was right before the race, actually, um, Emma Dixon, Scott Dixon's wife, told me, she's like, when Scott won in 2008, she said, I felt like we cried for all the times that we didn't win. And that was like the, just the release of it. Yeah. And so that's truly how I felt. And, I, and it's not even about me. It was, it was more about crying for him because I know how badly he wanted it. And all the times he was so heartbroken for months and, and he came close and he had a car that could win and it didn't happen. It could have, should have, would have. It was just the relief that it, he can finally just, I mean, I mean, he's done it, you know, it's just. And I love that it's also, um, you know, so many people behind you, the team there alongside you. I loved watching you guys kiss the bricks, which is the tradition, of course, when you win this race. And I was like, that is so cool, you know, that you're there hugging your crew chief and you guys are, it's just like so cool to have it be such a team thing. But before that, you hopped through the hole in the fence, and we were all watching, and I know you've talked about it so many times, but we're like, what the hell is he doing, <laughs> right? What did that feel like climbing through that hole and getting out there? It, it was amazing. I've always dreamed of winning this race, and I said, look, if I ever win this race, I'm going into the crowd. Because yeah. I know how much energy is here in Indianapolis, and it's, you know, that's why I tell people, it's, it's, you can't describe what it feels like to be here. You have to see it in person. And I thought it would be the coolest thing ever to celebrate in the crowd that was there that saw the finish. And so I knew exactly where the, that access point was. And I tried to get to the start finish line. How did you so know far. where the access point was? I, I've, I've been around here. You know, we stay here. We basically live here for three weeks. And so I've, you I've also gone had around a little the track. Bird tell them how to yeah, I've, you know. A little bird tell him how to do it a couple years ago. Yeah, there's one, one of my good Were buddies. Were you the bird? No, no, oh. no, 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 no. We have an inside bird. My, my good buddy, Brian Simpson, <laughs> uh, he's, pro he's probably the only person that knew that I wanted to do that. I love that. And so, yeah, we had scoped out a lot of the areas on the track and he used to work for the series and, and he told me where a good access point was. Uh, and, and you didn't even, I knew you didn't even have to necessarily open the gate. I could slip under a little access point underneath and, and, so I, I always dreamed of being able to do that. And I, any other race that I won, I, I was never going to go into the crowd because I said, I want to leave that. Because that's a little bit crazy. It's a little just, crazy. I mean, because they're your fans. They're other, it's just fans. It's a little crazy. And I wanted to leave it for Indianapolis. If it was possible, I wanted to leave it for here. <laughs> I quickly realized I needed to not go too far in okay. the crowd. Why? Because were they just? It got a little nuts. I, you know, I, in my, my head, I was thinking, I'll get into the crowd and I can go to the top of the, you know, the top section. I want to go all the way to the top. And I got maybe 10% of the way there and I couldn't go any further. There was, there was too many people blocking me and it was, it was getting a little bit out of control. So I thought, you know, it's probably, probably a good idea to just head back to the racetrack at this point. But even just that first section that I was able to see was, yeah. it was magical. You know, you, I, that energy that I talk about, I was in the middle of it and I, it was, I you can't describe it. it to you. It's just amazing the way people were feeling and, so and, cool. and just being a part of it. The other thing that I kept, I was looking at, I was watching from the broadcast booth where my friend Alan was doing play-by-play -play and I could see out the window as they were lifting your car up, which is one of the coolest things because they lift the entire race car up with your team and get you to Victory Circle. And I was watching as, Ashley, you were coming in and you guys were taking pictures. And then when you had your son, Coda, 
I was like, you guys, you have given him such a gift. Oh my God, I'm such a crier. <laughs> because I'm like, imagine that he's gonna be able to look back on this one day with you and he won't remember per se being here, but you will always be able to tell him and he will know, my dad won the Indy 500 when I was born, right? He wasn't even a year old. What was that like for you guys as a family? It was very special. Very, very special, special to have everybody here, including Coda. And I, <laughs> it is funny because I don't think he'll remember much oh, of no, any of this. And, um, but just to be able to share that moment together, you know, and, and have him here was, was really a dream, you know, and, but it's everybody. It's my mom, it's my dad, yeah. Ashley. Um, Such a family. There's, there's a lot of sacrifice that goes into a sport like this. You know, you really, there, there's so much that has to be put on the line to even just get an opportunity to be here at this level. And so to have everybody there and come full circle, you know, it was very, it was very fitting. You, um, I love watching uh, the episode of the show, the series 100 Days to Indy, and that they focused on you guys first in your house, right? That, I thought about that because I thought <laughs> the, the first thing you see in the shot is Coda walking towards the camera. And then they introduce you, Ashley, and I love the fact that you were a Disney princess yeah. and the way yeah. you guys met. Um, but I also, in your press conference, when you got emotional talking about Ashley, what is it that you see from what Ashley does that is just so important to this? Well, you know, I think that the, the sad thing is that Ashley carries the burden more than anybody of the, the heartbreak of this place. You know, there's, there's really, unfortunately, the way I work, there's no one that can help me in those moments. You know, I, I, when I leave here and the race didn't work out, you know, it, it tears me, it just tears me apart. And, you know, Ashley, I, I think the best way to put it is she's endured it. She has endured the challenge of trying to be at this level and, you know, to, to maybe win this race and, you know, to compete on the highest stage. And it's just not, it's not easy, you know. Um, I think it's just more like, even for his mom and his dad too, and me included, but we all just want to help him. And like you said, when he, is heartbroken you can't say you'll get him next year because you don't know and he's very much a realist and he might not get him next year and oh you'll win it one day you might not and it's just you can't there's nothing that you can say and that's the most painful thing as a parent or a spouse because that's the person you love the most and you want to help them but you, you can't so I think it's just and she really that. does like she, like all she wants to do is, want to fix it, is help, you know? help yeah. me and she can't and so it just makes it, you know, it makes it so special to be able to realize the dream and the victory all these years later, you know, after, after trying for so long. How do you navigate that? Like what, it, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm married with kids. How do you try to keep someone, like, how do you do that? Be there for him. I think I've, I've come to terms with the fact that this life is very not traditional, I would say. Um, the wife is definitely the support the family, that's, that's my role, and that's the role I choose. But I'm in charge of the family, in charge of keeping care, taking care of him and our son. Um, but this is all consuming right now, and this isn't forever. This is 10, 15 more years of this, and he'll be retired. If I'm lucky, if, if we're lucky. Yes, and he'll, he'll retire if he's lucky, and we'll have our life then. But for right now, this is all consuming and you have to dedicate that time and you have to allow your partner to dedicate that time to those years when you have it because it is so short lived. It, it's, it is a sacrifice, you know, there's, 
to some degree, you, you just can't compete at this level. And I think it's true with many sports that you have to sacrifice something in order to elevate yourself within a given craft. Um, and that's just, that's the choice you have to make. And a family makes that choice too, which is, you know, not always the easiest thing, but like Ashley said, it's, it's hopefully not, it's typically not forever. You know, this yeah. is, it's a short lived thing. What are the types of things that you feel like you do have to sacrifice? Well, I mean, it's, it's time commitments is probably mm -hmm. the hardest thing, you know, with, with our sport, travel is a necessity. Yeah. You know, I don't get to choose what I can or can be at home for, um, at least not all the time. You know, if, if I have to be at a race or I have to be at a commitment for one of our partners, you know, a lot of times you have to, you have to be there for the obligation and it's important. Um, this is the perfect example of this, was that when I was gonna have our baby, um, his due date was April 18th and we kept on saying, okay, well, there's a race right after this. And I think the race was five or six days after his due date. And so I'm like, okay, well, what if I go over the due date? Well, I can't miss the race. So if you go into labor and you have the baby and I'm at the race, it's like, of course I'll leave right after the race, but I can't be there. And that's such a sacrifice. But you go into it knowing that that's, that's yeah. that there's, a, there's a chance that's gonna happen. And then luckily that didn't happen. Or, or even when we first had Coda, he was born April 17th. I, I essentially had to leave for a month after that. I was here That's for three the days entire month. Wow. I was there for next race, and then I had to be here for the entire month of May. And, you know, she, she had, Ashley had to basically survive the beginning of parenthood without me. And so these are, you know, things that most people don't plan to do when, when yeah. they start having kids. And it's just part of this strange world. And to be clear, like that's a sacrifice on both parts because obviously that's very, we understand why that's difficult for you, yeah. but for you, I'm sure it doesn't feel great, that part of it, right? Of it's like anything yeah. you're missing, right? Yeah. And that's a big one, like obviously. It's not what you want, right? Yeah. Like if, you know, pulled in many directions probably. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to be here, but I also, if you if you have a family, you want to be with your family, you don't want to yeah. miss any of these moments. So there's, there's, there's always going to be a balance to it. Um, but it's not forever. I like that Ashley says that because yeah. it's not intended to be forever like this. No, it's not. And you guys obviously have amazing communication because that's what you probably have to have structure in such a set plan. Is that yes. right? Yes, very Absolutely. much so. Yeah, Absolutely. that's been a good thing for us. We've, we're, pretty, um, we're pretty aligned mm -hmm. on everything that we do in life, which makes it more seamless. So you should write a book now about that because now, you know, that'd be great for other, other couples. It's a lot Seriously. easier than, than you done. say it. You yeah, know? yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. I know. Um, no, and I mean. It's still learning. I do really quickly, I, if I could, ha I would love to hear a story of how you guys met, because I know you've told it before, but for people that haven't seen you describe it in the series, it's such a cool story. It's, it's a funny story. I mean, I. He tells it so wrong. Really? Okay, well, he, you can correct me. Oh, right? yeah, go ahead. Yeah, okay, um, so we, basically met at Disney World um, yeah, on uh, we were I was there for we were there for my my mother's birthday and on we, Christmas on Christmas and we wow. were having we oh, were having cool. a dinner and Ashley was working that night she was Ariel and we struck up a conversation I was very interested in who Ariel was like I not because what drew you to Ariel not because it, she was the character, but because of who she was. I was like, I don't know who this woman is, but I would love to, to meet her. And that's an impossible 
thing. You don't you don't go to Disney World and you're not able to figure out exactly who these people are. Like, <laughs> but like, was it like you saw Ariel across the room or you were talking? Yeah. She was working. You the, walk around and you meet people at different tables. Yes. Oh yes, I love this. I know that. Yes. And so we interacted, but I was in character, and so you know, <laughs> I, I was young. We were both like 21, and I remember being like, "Oh, he's cute," but. I'm Ariel, and so I leave, and I'm like, well, that was, that was fun. We had a great anyway, interaction. We did have great a great interaction. Everyone at the table knew what was going on, and then I made the reservation for the family. <laughs> so I left that night, and I'm like, I'm never going to find out who this person is. Like, it's just you. It's, you're, right. it's impossible to figure out who's <laughs> right. working as Ariel. Like, it would be so much easier if she wasn't in character. Right. You would have yeah. been able to, like, right. Yeah. This is and so funny. So I, like, go back, and I'm, like, trying to search how do you find the employees of the Walt that? Disney Corporation. I'm, like, an impossible task. You're never going to. He was Google imaging Ariel, and it's just popping up with cartoons. And he's like, <laughs> ah! You're like, no, that's yeah. not it. Security protocols in place. Like, Time's totally running out. Totally understand. <laughs> and then, literally, that night, I get an email in my inbox, and it's from... Ashley signed as Ariel, and I'm like, I signed the email as Ariel because didn't know my name. I'm like, how did she get my email? And I made the reservation for the dinner, so I assumed at the time that she looked for my email and emailed me, and I yes. thought this is amazing. Yes. Lo and behold, it wasn't that. My father, who paid for the bill that night, he left my email on the check and told the told the waitress to please give this to Ariel. That's how she got my information. Oh. We met. My dad was my wingman. I didn't even know about it. That and I know. the rest is history. He said he said that he watched Joseph and he knew he would regret not having reached out. Yeah, I. It was Crazy. amazing. Crazy. And that was what. And then she moved. To, years she ago? moved. Ashley moved to Japan literally a month later for, <laughs> for a year. For you? No, no she was. This was already set. I literally. I, I met her. I met her and she was already like planning to leave the country for Why a year. Why did you yeah. move to Japan? For Disney, they have a Tokyo yes. Disneyland and they hire out um, performers to play their princesses and princes. So I was already signed a contract. I was leaving in a month for Japan. I remember meeting him and we went on our first date and I'm like, I'm leaving. He's like, yeah, immediately we'll just figure it out. Just a punch to the heart right away. She's like, I'm not even going to be here in the country. So then I had to travel to Japan to visit Ashley, which was really great. A and lot of did. fun. Yeah, yeah I went. Yeah, multiple times, like three times. Went very often, and um, yeah, now we are, here we are, 11 years later. Yeah. That's, I mean, that is like storybook. Pretty cool. Late chapter in the book, amazing, right? I mean, cool. do you, okay, so if someone and had told you. And 500, and that's how the book ends. Right, I know, no? I was gonna say ending, <laughs> but then I was like, no, because there's more, of course. Oh. But do you think that if, you, if someone told you that this was going to happen, if someone told Ariel at that night, at that moment, what would you have told them? Well, like, I don't mean to be. Yeah. There's like weird people that give you your phone numbers all the time and emails and all that. It's so weird. Yeah, it's just like, because you're a princess <laughs> and they're just. But there just was something about him that I was just here. like, well, I'm intrigued. And even though I was leaving for a month or in a month, I, I was intrigued and I knew that there was something different. And I mean, even when I left, we just had a understanding where we knew that our relationship was. It was gonna be very hard to progress in that year because we were on such different time zones. He was so busy. He, it was like his second year in IndyCar. Um, I was committed. I said, "Look, I'll wait. And I'll so come visit kind of waited, you. I will wait." Truly, we kind of put everything on pause. Like we still talked. He still visited, but we just put everything on pause and we just let it be what it was for that year. And then it was funny because when I moved back to the states, that's when it really felt like we started dating, dating because we hadn't had that experience. So that's when I was getting to know him and getting to know what his foods he likes and. You know? Yeah, we get to know each other a lot. A lot so, what's his favorite food? Would you, what'd you oh, say? Food. No, Just but any. you know. Sushi, yeah, pizza, McDonald's. Did you eat food. sushi the he night before everything. the 500? Not this year. What okay. are we? No, we had our we had our partner dinner, 
So. Um, he had surf and turf. I had surf and turf, yeah. <laughs> that, that was what was on the menu, so. But he has that every year, so. I don't know. It's yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> I love it. A last thing for me, what would you say, I love to ask everyone I talk to this, is the toughest thing that you have overcome that makes you proud and when you reflect on it, feels like something that you've really learned from? Mm, that's, a, that's a tough question. Um, there's a lot of examples I would say. You know, I think one thing that I'm very proud of is that my father instilled total belief in, you know, working hard and, and completely going for something, you know, and not letting anything pull you from your path. And I think racing is, is very demanding of that. You know, you have to fully commit yourself and survive in an, in an intense environment that is constantly pulling at you and, you know, making you not crack under pressure. And, and I think just to be able to survive this world and not just me, I think about everybody that helped make the survival possible. That, that for me is, is the most gratifying, you know, winning this race and, and being at this moment in my career. Of course, there's a lot of little things along the way, but I just think that really encapsulates everything for me. Belief. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you agree? I do. His dad is a man that nothing is impossible. Not one thing. Even if it sounds so out of this world, he will figure out a way to do it. And he's just crafty and thrifty. I don't want to know what you want to call him, but he's just a dreamer. And I think that he instilled, I mean, that's truly why he is where he is today is because his dad dreamed of it so much for him when he was little. And he wanted to help Joseph achieve his dream. And nothing was impossible. Of course you want to be a race car driver, you can do it. And I think he's taken that even in the professional series with the 500, with signing with Team Penske, with anything. It's just, nothing's impossible. We just have to figure out, there's a path that leads there and we just have to figure it out. Mm -hmm. yeah. I love it. Oh my gosh. It is a storybook ending yeah. for now, right? Thank you guys so much. I like well, that. meaning that there's more to come. That's I like why, it. No, you know I what like I mean? It. It's yeah. like, because if you say ending, it's not, you guys are, you're still a puppy. You're young. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I love that though. No, Joseph, Ashley, thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Congrats. Oh my goodness, I loved that conversation so much, um, especially because everybody says if you win the Indy 500, your life truly changes in that moment. And I'm, that happens, there's no question. It's all about you know the relief coming off of your shoulders because you've wanted it so badly, and that's what uh, Joseph told me afterwards. But the story of how he and his wife met and also his uh, tentpole theme of belief. I just think that's something that, that all of us can learn from, right? Anyway, thank you so much for listening to this conversation. Again, you can get this anywhere you get your podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube. And um, I will see you next time from one of my favorite places, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I'm Lindsay saying I'll see you later.